Welcome to Bestsellers. I'm Natalie Jameson. And I'm Phil Williams. And this is a special episode. Well, I say special, they're all special, right? But this week, it is going to be Phil and myself giving you some of our summer read recommendations. There may be another one of these to come in a few weeks as we work out our schedules. But we love that we get to speak to authors all the time. But we also love that they speak about books that they want to recommend at the end. Um, so in between all of that, we are doing other reading too. And uh, yeah, we thought this was a good time to share some of the books that we've been loving that we hope you will love too. So we've got a couple of books each. Phil, you're going to start. What is your first recommendation for this summer? Okay, so I'm going to start with a book that I only saw on Instagram just yesterday and bought it immediately, right? Wow. Because I really liked the message that came with the book. So it's nonfiction. It's Dr. Alex George. Remember Alex George from I Love do. Island? I do. I do. And I realise the minute you say Love Island, people go, no. But what I want to explain about Alex is that he's an A&E doctor before he went on the show. He's now a government's mental health czar and assisting government policy on mental health. And this book is called Mental Fitness Tools for Everyone. And what I like about it is that I think so far the co- the conversation has centered on being better about talking about and understanding mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And what Alex says in this book is take the word health, replace it with the word fitness. And then, you know, this comparison that's often made, if you had a pain in your leg, you wouldn't just leave it. You'd go to a doctor. But if you've got an issue mentally, you don't go to a doctor. He takes that one stage further in this book. And he says, when you go to the gym, so like I went yesterday and I did 50K on the bike. I was really proud of myself. One hour, 23 minutes on the bike pedaling, right? Yeah. He says in this book, you wouldn't just do that and go, oh, well, I've completed the gym now. That's it. Don't need to go back now. I've done that. So why do we do that mentally? And he says yeah. people seem to go, you know, when they're stressed, they'll, they'll maybe now, so a lot of people know breathing exercises, for example. So they'll do a breathing exercise. They'll go, oh, I've done that now. Brilliant. And off we go. And what he wants you to do, there are seven steps in this book, which I won't go through now, but you can find for yourself which he says are mental exercises to maintain a level of mental fitness. So I know you do lots of yoga and Pilates. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't ever, would you, just go, say, three months without doing it? No, and also I am very aware that if I skip, so I do, I mean, again, I realise I'm fortunate, I can pay for this and I can fit it into my freelance schedule. I do a Pilates class twice a week and I get quite itchy if I know that there's something that means I'm going to have to move one of those because the knock-on effect to how it affects mentally the whole rest of my week yeah. is quite staggering. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So what he wants us to do is build a, a mental regime to match our physical regime. So if you're doing that twice a week, you need to be doing the same thing mentally twice a week. Nice. I like that. So it's really good. And um, and it's a good point that you made before about um, means and affordability. And this book currently on uh, Amazon, which I know the, the Indies will hate me for saying, but it's a tenor. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a tenor well invested because I think it's the kind of manual that you can refer back to time and time and time again to keep you on track with mental fitness, not mental health. Yeah, it's one of those things as well, right, where you just have to find what works for you. Because I think I didn't know before I started doing Pilates that that was going to be the thing that would help my mental fitness as well. Uh, but it turned out it was. So just try some things. And if there are some really good suggestions in this book, that sounds like a great place to start. Yeah, there are. Yeah, it's a really, really clever book. So it's called The Mind Manual, Dr. Alex George. That's my first one. Lovely. What about you? Okay, I'm trying to think where to go with my first one. So I'm going to go with the one that 
I re- well, I've enjoyed all of the books I'm going to talk about today, but I would like to talk about a book called The Centre by Aisha Manazar Siddiqui. And this is a debut author and this is a fascinating book. And I only hesitated because it's one of those stories where I almost don't want to tell you too much about what it really is because it's more deliciously kind of twisted and dark and fascinating the less you know about it. So I'll I'll set up the brief premise, which is that there's a couple Uh, a woman called Anissa and uh, her boyfriend, Adam. And Adam's kind of quite cold in the relationship. He he's very good at his job, but he there's kind of something that's a little bit off that Anisha's well aware about. And then sort of one day he says, well, actually, he can now speak this other language. And he has stumbled across a scheme, a place where you can go the center of the title, where you're able to learn an entire new language fluently, absolutely fluently, not just kind of, you know, doing an app thing that will take forever. It's in your brain and you've got it in a few weeks. And Anissa's intrigued. And she ends up going to the centre because she feels this is going to help with her career and um, she does translation work and she wants to do sort of better translations. It's a really fascinating study at how the brain may or may not work, what we're prepared to do to change our lives supposedly we think for the better but what some of the consequences of that might be and it took me to places I did not expect it was going to take me at all and I found it thoroughly refreshing. You mean in terms of plot or in terms of personal feelings? Yeah a bit of both a bit of both it was continually surprising me Uh, I was trying to kind of guess what was happening it's quite a bit of a whodunit sort of along the way as well and yeah, I just, I almost don't want to say too much more about it, but I would love for people to pick up this book and especially because it's a debut author as well. So it's really difficult for for people who don't have a proven track record in the publishing world to cut through so many books being released. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just fascinating. It's called The Centre by Aisha Manazir Siddiqui. Now, I think we should do a full disclosure at this point yeah. so that we're honest and open with our listeners. I know you love this and that's why it's I one did. of your picks so you sent it to me and i gave it my 30 page test and i didn't um bond with it you didn't i found the lead characters a bit smug and as a result i didn't really know who i was rooting for and that that was the problem i had with it so i only say that because i know i would say 99 percent of the time we both agree and love on the books Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to just offer an alternative you know that that for whatever reason i didn't get on with this particular one doesn't mean it's not great just means i didn't get on with it and i think it's only fair to report that back yeah no i think that's valid too um obviously your 30 page test is flawed and (laughs) (laughs) no i think it it is a valid point and it is one of those stories where purposely you're not quite sure what it is for a little while so there was enough in it for me to be intrigued to want to find out what was happening but obviously for you you were like yeah I'm not sure if it's gonna be as rewarding as I want it to be and I can appreciate that too but I really struggle with books where I don't know immediately who I'm rooting for Uh, and when Mike Gale came on he was saying that that's what he had in the forefront of his mind to when he created his latest one and it's been a couple of times now where I've started something I've gone okay I get it I understand it I don't really care whether you do it or not. Do you mm. know what I mean? I think if I haven't got that care, I can't see it through. True. Well, this is going to make my uh, next book pick uh, interesting is it, as is well. It, go on, well, go on then. We... No, I want you to do yours first. So uh, back right, to you, okay. Phil. What's your next one? Well, so I'm going to go um, 
I'm going to go with one that I'm still reading. And the reason I've chosen this is that I've been asked to host an event with this author at quite short notice. Ooh, fancy. So, um, so I thought I'd mention Catelyn Moran's book to you, which has had a load of heat since it came out. I saw yeah. on Newsnight, she's done Woman's Hour. I mean, I think, you know, she's been pretty much everywhere with this book. She's had a good impact with it. It's called What About Men? Mm-hmm. It's a nonfiction, obviously. And what she says is, as a staunch feminist, her, not me, although I am too, that um, she has only written about women. And she she was doing events herself for her previous books. And when it got to the question stage, people said, well, well, what about men? But it wasn't the men asking that. It was the women. And what they were saying to her was that they felt that they couldn't fully thrive as a woman until they understood what their men or their sons or their partners were thinking mm-hmm. and feeling and processing. And she kind of she said, I've been guilty of jokingly dismissing. it. I would do jokes and get a laugh. And I hadn't really answered the question. And she said, I thought, no, I need to, we do need to do that. Can we only achieve true feminism if we know what men are feeling, men are thinking, and what what it's like to be a man in 2023? So what she's done is she's interviewed a load of people who are friends of hers. She only puts them in first names, but they're all men of a certain age. They're all around late 40s to early 50s. And this includes her husband, who's Pete Perfidis, who's also a really good writer. And then um, she's starting to trace back to kind of younger years where the things are improving so my boys who are seven and four for example are they growing up in a different environment i would say yes to the one that i grew up in yeah and as a result do they have a different set of feelings and different set of emotions about what it's like to be a man but some really interesting things that have come out of it so far she says that um girls are much more likely to have a wider range of reading at a younger age than boys, right? Yeah. And so she asks a load of girls what they're reading, and some of it's quite emotionally intuitive. Where she asks a load of boys, and it's all action, guns, planes, fighting. Do you know what I mean? Because it's adrenaline. Now, I remember being that age, and I remember reading uh, Secret Seven, but not Famous Five. And I remember reading Adrian Mole. She cites Adrian Mole. And she says it was the only book she could think of that appealed to teenage boys when she was growing up. And it was written by a woman. <laughs> it's yeah. not even written by a man, even though it's about a boy. And I read Adrian Mole because it was f- funny, really made me laugh. But it wasn't that true to my experiences of being 11, 12, 13. It didn't replicate that. Um, and she's saying, so what else is there then? Now, I remember that. I thinking, yeah, exactly. What else is that? And I ended up reading Dick Francis. If you familiar with Dick Francis, yeah, the jockey turned thriller writer. And that's probably way beyond teenagers, but there was nothing else that really got my interest. So I think part of the reason I would say as a, as a man, part of the reason why boys and men are interested in that stuff is because it's exciting and because there's nothing else that hooks us in. Now, you know, from doing this with me, that actually a lot of the books that we've enjoyed together do have a great deal of emotional depth to them. And I'm, I'm also willing to sit down and watch films that do that and all the rest of it. But I just thought that was one interesting observation. The other thing is a lot of the men that she interviewed said that fighting was such a big part of their upbringing. And I would also agree with that. And I wonder if it still is, you know what I mean? I don't see it as much in my eldest age group, but like your boy's older than mine. I wonder if he experiences quite a lot of fighting and violence. And I don't mean harsh violence, but just casual dead legs, dead arms, digs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that still goes on. And and obviously, you know, looking at a wider uh, social picture where it's still in an incredibly privileged position right so there's a huge amount of violence I think that happens around kids at all ages Mm. um I think what you were saying about action films and the thrill and the excitement that drew you in as a young lad into some of those stories it's sort of almost 
again, this is, I am no therapist, but just hearing you talk about that, I think it's it's almost like a vicious cycle, right? Because you're probably only going for that because that's the quick fix. Yeah. And actually it's because you're avoiding some kind of emotional. Well, no, not avoiding it, not consciously avoiding it. Just bored. Well, not consciously avoiding it, but just you don't have the tools to express things because you know we're all massively emotional beings right yeah so it's either societally you're not allowed you know I I could talk about some instances but I don't want to embarrass my 10 year old by doing that but he's quite emotional right and that hasn't always played well amongst his friends right um yeah again like as I say not a therapist but I think it is really interesting I think that that sort of thrill of action and fighting is still very much there I think the landscape of children's publishing has changed massively. I do know that there are loads of male authors now who are aiming books. Well, even the Alex Ryder series, we spoke to Anthony yeah. about those. I mean, they yeah, weren't exactly. around. There was nothing like that for me. But I'm also but thinking like, you know, Greg James and Chris Smith, who I used to work with, you know, their books are very mm. playful and yeah. there's a sort of a ton of authors out there. Do you know what my eldest has just loved, which we should shout out actually, because then they're not new, they've been around a while. But Julian Clary wrote a range of kids' books yeah, called The did. Bolds. Yeah. And they're about uh, a family of animals who pose as humans. And he loves them, absolutely loves them. It, we've got them all now, and he's gone through all of them twice. And the writing's good. They're full of jokes, but also they're full of um, emotional content and friendship content and looking after loved ones and those kind of themes. So it's not just wham, bam, you know, action. Yeah. Um. And they're really good, and, and I'm glad that he's doing that. The, the other thing that's mentioned in this What About Men book is, uh, which really resonated with me as a father, is, so you were talking about having the, the emotional tools to do with stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, she was saying that men are crap at talking in general. Yeah, and, I would and say that, yeah. She said that um, her husband witnessed two guys in the gym, and whilst he was toweling off after a shower, these two guys had come in covered in sweat, got their kit off, gone to the showers, come back, got dried together, got dressed together and left together, right? And in that time, all they did was talked about bikes. Oh, have you seen that carbon fiber? Oh, yeah, but what about blah, blah, blah. And she said, if that was two women, they'd have gone through each other's menstrual record, they'd have gone through everything, right, in, <laughs> in about an hour. Yeah. And and the men don't. But Pete, made her, her husband, makes a really good, I think, interesting point. He says, well, he thinks that's the bad is. It's very uncomfortable to be naked in front of someone that you're not that close with. Mm-hmm. So what the men do is they come up with a facile conversation that fills the space and covers the fact that you're stood there with your cock and balls out in front of someone you don't really know very well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I use that term on purpose because there's a chapter called cock and balls in this book. <laughs> right? So then she leaves it open as to, so is that a flaw in, in the male psyche? Or is it actually a clever device to cover an embarrassing situation? Yeah. He's got this kind of thing. But what it's made me more aware of is is the conversations I have with my boys you know how do I because you must have had this with both of yours I know you've got a boy and a girl Mm -hmm. but you pick them up from school and you go good day and they go yeah end of yeah and you're like well do I now try and drag more out of them or do I leave it until they're ready to tell me maybe they're knackered because they've been at it all day and then they just want to not talk because they've been talking all day at school and it's really hard to gauge as a parent isn't it but I think if you don't have those conversations you don't know if they're going through stuff that could be emotionally turbulent that they haven't told you about Yes. And again, qualifying that I'm no particular expert, but I remember when mine were a lot younger as well, we kind of felt that we weren't necessarily, we didn't as parents didn't have the tools to speak to them properly, both as a boy and a girl. So I think there are, it's just in the, the types of questions that you ask can make all the difference. So we would then say something like, pick them up from school and say, oh, can you just tell me 
what was the one thing at school that really made you smile today? Yeah. Or was there something that happened today that made you feel a bit sad? Or just try and change up the questions and then you would get a fuller answer. But you know what? My kids are making me a better parent. So I'll tell you this quickly in relation to this book. I picked up the seven-year-old from school last week, just on his own because the four-year-old was on a school trip, right? And I said, good day. And he said, yeah, um, we've been in our groups and we've finished our Victorian transport program. And I said, what was that? And he said, oh, we had to make a vehicle from the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. So they'd made some kind of penny farthing or something. And I said, oh, how many people are in your group? Oh, just me and one other boy. And now I know from my wife that the other boy had irritated him last week and caused a little bit of a fuss in the classroom. So I said to him, was the other boy a plum today? We say plum in our house, so we don't say swear words. Was he a plum? And he went, my boy went, no, daddy, he was not. And I'll thank you for not saying that about other people. It's unkind. And I was like, <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah. And I said to You've him, I was, just a, I was just watching your back. I just wanted to have your back and make sure you were okay. I'm fine, thank you. And that was, and I, oh, right, okay. Interesting. You know what I mean? yeah. That's interesting yeah. for me. So uh, what the best thing about this Catelyn Moran book is it's, it made, makes you think, and it makes you more aware of what you're doing, and especially uh, within gender difference. And it's, you know, obviously, it's a complex issue, and there's a lot going on with that right now. And I, what I've always enjoyed about Catelyn Moran's writing, I haven't read this one yet, but I would like to, is that it does seem to come from a place of kindness to all people. And then there's humour, obviously, yeah, that's which really runs helps. throughout it. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah, yeah. So that's called What About Men? So what about your second pick, then, which you teased a while ago, as saying this could be interesting based on the first So what? why? Is, is well, this another one you've sent me that I haven't liked? No, it isn't. But this is one where you were saying that you you find it quite challenging if you don't know who to root for in a book. Yeah. And there was a book that I actually read a couple of months ago now, but it's recently out. I think you can get some quite good deals on it at the moment. It's called Bad Summer People by Emma Rosenblum. And this is fiction it is about a bunch of wealthy people uh who summer on new york state's fire island so it's kind of masses of golden sand uh tennis clubs very fancy fourth of july parties they're, so they're all quite minted they're all incredibly wealthy um lots of the kind of reviews were like oh if you liked succession like you're gonna love bad summer people that sort of thing and there is a murder so it's a thriller as well. But I kind of just like lapped up. It's it's rich people behaving really badly, which I wasn't sure if I was going to like or not because some of these people are just awful and, you know, they're cheating on each other and they're just being supposedly friendly to their lifelong family friends to their faces and then behind their backs slating them it's like it's real kind of like gossipy stuff but in terms of a summer read it's I mean it does what it says on the cover really it's, it is bad summer people if you kind of want to do we read these things because it makes us feel better about ourselves well, I don't so know. this is my question to you on this would be yeah are they all despicable uh they all because that's my problem with succession I've not got on with succession I'm one of the yeah. few people who uh, I watched three and just thought what's the what's the point of this because they're no, all see, so I... foul <laughs> I don't think you are not uh, alone in that at okay. all and I think I might have mentioned this before as well but similarly I watched the first three episodes of succession series one way back and hated yeah. it yeah because all the people were so vile and yeah. they treated everybody around them in such a despicable way that I didn't want to invest my time with that. So then I just jumped to series two and something had changed. 
and uh, I was into it in series two and then found the humor in it and a bit more of the pathos I think as well and you were rooting for some of the people even though they were awful um so maybe go back to succession just start on series two apologies jesse armstrong uh, i did then go back to series one and enjoyed it more um but with bad summer people i don't think it's it's not as awful as that they're not in the billionaire billionaire zone um they're, they're millionaires they're somewhere that i am not residing mm. at all mm. but i think you do care about some of the characters because you can see that they're really trying not to fall into traps that have been laid out so clearly for them and it's whether they have the moral fortitude to withstand that or not the tagline's quite good i just looked it up now while you've been talking none of them would claim to be a good person but who among them is capable of murder quite like that yeah there you go that is called Bad Summer People by Emma Rosenblum. And I know we said we we're just going to do one each, but I'm going to leave you because I feel like I've left you with some really bad people. Um, so to <laughs> counteract it, it's just reminding me that because I read this book a while ago, uh, but it's just come out in paperback now, I believe. Uh, it's Julie Cohen, who is a really brilliant author. She's quite prolific. She's got another book that's come out recently in hardback called Bad Men, dipping her toe into crime thriller, I think, which sounds fascinating. But the book I wanted to mention at the end of this today is Summer People. So I just talked about Bad Summer People. There's a book called Summer People. Oh, and this is by you see Julie... my brain go, hang on, you've just done this bit. <laughs> I know. And this is by Julie Cohen. And the people in this book are lovely. <laughs> they are really lovely. It's It mainly centres on uh, a woman called V who lived on, it's about an island that's off the coast of Maine, I think it is. I'm trying to remember because it was a while back. And mm. this is much less a exclusive rich place, but more of a, this is where everybody from the mainland used to kind of go or they lived there anyway. But then the out-of-towners cottoned on that this was a pretty cool place to live and had beautiful views. And so then they started buying up properties and the rich people would just come and summer on the island, hence the summer people of the title. But there were still a lot of the original families who had always lived there in much less fancy surroundings and were doing a lot of the service jobs for the summer people. So would be running the convenience store, which they then started to get in, you know, fancy groceries for the summer and try and fulfilled the needs of the people that were there but it's it's mainly about a woman who's bridging that gap so she is one of the original people who lived on this island but has married into a bit more money so comes back to summer in one of the fancy remodeled houses across those two worlds and it's when she's trying to find out who she really is her marriage isn't in a great state but there's such a warmth and humanity throughout this book and it's also really sexy well i like a sexy book i've noticed that before you've yeah. recommended a bit of filth to me i past. have yeah so what i want to say about this is having just done a search it's really careful you've got to be really careful when you search for this because there's your first one was bad summer people correct this is julie cohen summer people yeah. i just searched summer people because i didn't remember julie cohen when you were talking mm -hmm. and there's a book by sarah hosey that comes up and Don't know that one. that's due out in in August. You can pre-order and it's due in August. So make sure you get the right one because that's a slightly different one. That's Although that sounds intriguing. Christmas yeah. thought thought her ADHD was a liability. Turns out it's a superpower. So about a 17-year-old who goes to a summer resort, similar to the ones you've already mentioned, 
and a bad thing happens and she has to try and resolve disputes between the Sweet Lake community. I wonder if that's, uh, it looks like it might be a young adult book, actually, that. I feel like we've just done that anyway. thing of, you know, when you go into a bookshop and you're just kind of wandering around and picking up books and reading yeah. the back of them and chatting to a friend about yeah. whether you should buy yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like that's what we've oh, yeah, just done yeah, for this yeah, half yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah. But that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention any more because the, the rest that were on my list, I'm hopeful that we're going to get them for actual episodes of the bestsellers. So oh. I'll keep my powder dry. And if we don't, I'll mention them when we do the next one of these. Okay, and in the meantime, I will see if I can get you to read any of these that have intrigued you that we can maybe delve into a bit further. So thank you as ever for listening. We hope that this has brightened your day and left you with some interesting books that you might want to pick up. If you do have some time off coming up or if you've got a bit of space to do some reading and want an escape from everything else going on in your life, then hopefully one of these will provide that for you. And if you do, we'd like to know what you make of it. Yeah. So if you try one of these, then let's say, even if you hate it, if you love it, if you can't see it through, whatever, then uh, you can get in touch through ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com slash podcast. And you don't just have to buy us a brew there. You can do that, but you can also just send some messages and go, oh, hey, you know that book you mentioned, blah, blah. You can do that. Or you can send us an email to bestsellerspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll catch you next time with an actual writer. Bye.